Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised. And this incredibly tall, skinny, and shadowy man crouches into the room. High speed walked out of view and instantly wished I had gotten in my car, as I now had no idea where this guy could be. To say that I was terrified is really an understatement. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you four true horrifying tales that will horrify and terrify. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show with a listener submission from Angel, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas, and we're visited by our old friend, the Hat Man. This story is from when I was in an intermediate school. During this time, my brother was in the hospital and my parents would switch off every couple of days to stay with him and the other would stay at home with me. I was a smart and accomplished kid in school and I was very independent due to my parents having to prioritize my brother and their jobs. However, looking back on the event now after several years, I have to admit that I was probably very stressed out and anxious more than I should have been at that age which could have been the reason why this happened to me. But I don't know. The night when my event happened, I was with my father. It was a day in the middle of the week, and I was home alone for a very long time until my dad came home. The house we lived in was split into two parts. My family lived on the upper floor, and we also had the attic, and the owners lived downstairs. The attic door was in the kitchen, and that door immediately opened to dark, splintery wooden steps. No one went into the attic because it was seriously damaged. The insulation was exposed, the nails and wood had water damage, etc. We stored a few things upon the steps leading up and rarely went all the way up. My mother would occasionally sweep out the topmost step to make sure that none of the wood chips or nails or anything else might fall down the steps where we might get injured by them. But that afternoon, when I was home alone, there were a lot of noises coming from the attic. The obvious wood creaking and bumps and thumps. I didn't hear clear footsteps or anything, but maybe my paranoid brain over-exaggerated the sounds I was hearing. I just tried to ignore it and continued doing my own thing. I only went into the kitchen once, and I completely avoided the attic door. 
I stay like this for a few hours until my dad is home. He comes home and goes straight into the kitchen to get some water after greeting me. And he noticed that the attic door was slightly open and some pieces of wood and dust had flown out onto the floor. When he opened the door, some of our stuff was toppled over and moved around. There were fluffy bits of insulation blanketing some steps. It looked like my mother didn't clean in there for a few weeks, even though she just did yesterday. And my father knew that I definitely did not go up there or mess around because I had no reason to. So that was the first weird thing. We both forgot about it and my father just swept up the dust. A little later, after the sun had set, I was sitting in the living room on this long futon we had from Ikea near the window. Something catches my eye and I look outside into the street illuminated by the street lamp and there was a long black scarf being blown in the wind. It was really thin and see-through and it flew right into the street lamp and dimmed it a little. It was just stuck on the lamp and it got wrapped around by the wind and the street wasn't very bright anymore. I don't understand where the scarf or fabric this long could even come from. Who would hang a scarf outside? Or how could it float up so far to reach a street lamp? At the time, I just closed the curtain and forgot about it. But again, thinking about it now, it sounds pretty weird. So then, it was time for bed. I slept on the bed we had in the living room, and my father slept on the long futon across from me. We both fall asleep pretty fast. And I have to mention that we are both pretty heavy sleepers, and nothing can really wake either of us up in the middle of the night. So a couple hours into the night, I wake up. Or I think I wake up. I cannot tell to this day if it was a dream, because I still remember the feeling of waking up so vividly, and my father was still snoring. But there are other factors that also make me think that I was dreaming. So I wake up, drenched in sweat, and my face is all oily and dripping. And I'm laying in the position of a crunch, if that makes sense. I'm not completely upright, nor completely flat on my back. My arm is not supporting me up, but they are actually pressed to my sides super tightly. All of a sudden, my vision is a bit blurry, and there is a flashing light from the window as if a car just passed by, or if the scarf finally flew away from the street lamp, and it sounds like my head is underwater. I tried moving my head, but I'm completely frozen in that crunch position. All of a sudden, I look at the foot of my bed, and this incredibly tall, skinny, and shadowy man crouches into the room. I say crouches because he had to lean down to avoid hitting the doorframe as he entered. He was entirely black, like a shadow, and he was foggy instead of a sharp silhouette. He had a tall hat and a suit with little tails on it, like a pianist or something, and he was holding a briefcase. He slowly walks in, and the light is still flashing outside. He walks right over to me. I can't do anything even though I feel intense fear and dread. I'm trying to scream for my father, but it felt like my vocal cords were non-existent. I am panicked and stuck there and so scared of this man by my bed. Then he finally actually looks down at me and leans in really close and I felt this heat near my cheek and arm where he was. It was so hot. Like if he stood there for another second longer, my skin would burn. He stares at me, and he has no face, no features. But I could feel his eyes still. I have tears in my eyes, and I am trying so hard to scream and to move, and he just stares and shifts his head to the side, like he was confused why I was acting like that. I can't even turn my head away from him. Finally, 
he slowly starts to move away from me, and my father wakes up. I see my father get up, the same fear on his face as mine. I try to signal to him to help me. I'm still crying my eyes out. My father slowly creeps behind the tall man, all while looking at me, and then he runs out of the room. He runs so fast and down the stairs, and he fucking leaves without turning back. The tall man just stood there, and I saw him in the corner of my eye, and I stared at the door in shock. I could not believe that I was just abandoned. I look back at where the man should have been, and he's just disappeared too. And then I faint, like completely black out. I don't know how much time passes, but I wake up again and it's morning, and my father is snoring on the futon. I am still drenched in sweat, and my arm and back aches from being frozen in that crunch position. I did not speak to anyone or recount this experience until many years later to some friends. I have no idea what that even was, and what was real or not. I am super into horror and spooky stuff, and I definitely was interested in it when this happened to me, but I don't know of any cryptid, creature, or story that has this character or is similar to what I experienced. I also don't know if this was sleep paralysis. I have never had it before or after this event. All I know is that it happened to me, and I remember it as vividly as ever. Update. I just wanted to say that a couple hours after that submission, I listened to the Hatman episode, and I was so freaked out. I had that same breathless and paralyzed feeling as I listened, and I was so afraid. I could not believe that so many people were experiencing a similar creature, and I'm glad that I have an answer finally. But last night was awful, and I was so scared that I was going to see him again. I did eventually fall asleep, but it took hours. I am still feeling a bit paranoid in the morning. I just want to say that I am super grateful. And maybe someone else has had an experience that is more similar to mine than the story from the Hatman episode. Thank you, and be safe out there. Get your voice on Disturbed with our hotline, available 24-7, completely free. Tell us your experience or just leave your comments on the show. Visit hotline.disturbedpodcast.com on your mobile device or computer. Up next, we hear from Reddit user SeverePurchase6949, featuring voice work by Tom Eglio. And it's someone we know that goes too far. When I was seven years old, my mom and father got a divorce. This event prompted her to move and follow her career in a different small town, which would pay better as she was a single parent now. On our long 12-hour drive to the new location, we stopped on the way in this little town, which was very hippie. Sort of had lots of art, little shops, etc. My mom said we were here to meet up with her friend, Paulette. I guess they went way back in her college days and recently got in touch after a decade. We end up going to this East Indian restaurant where we would meet for dinner. This slender, somewhat fragile woman walks in. She was very tall, well over six feet. Big, frizzy, curly brown hair with blonde streaks in it. She was Caucasian, wearing a colorful shawl with feather earrings, with very pale blue eyes. She looked like a mosaic tapestry or something. She walks over to the table and gives my mom a greeting and a big hug. 
makes her way over to my older brother and shakes his hand after coming around to my side of the table. I lend my hand out to her and she just stood there expressionless with her mouth partly open with a blank gaze just staring at me. It briefly made me uncomfortable and then a flick of a switch, this spark ignites in her face. She makes this huge Cheshire cat smile, kneels over and hugs me tightly. She goes back to sit with my mom and they catch up over the years while we eat dinner. My mom gets the bill and says to her in the parking lot, you can just follow us to Paulette. We get in the car and my mom explains to us, Paulette is actually coming over to live with us for a while. She followed us for the next several hours. We get to the new place and unpack our necessity items as we had a moving truck hired with the rest of our stuff arriving in the morning. There was a bunk bed already set up at this place for me and my brother. It was fairly late into the night, roughly 11 p.m. when we arrived. Me and my brother set up our sleeping bags. I take the top bunk. My mom says goodnight. I fell asleep pretty quickly. I wake up around 1.30 a.m. I guess the patio deck light got turned on, which was right beside our room. I gazed out through the blinders and I see the back of Paulette's curly hair. She was sitting on the deck cross-legged smoking a cigarette. I didn't think much of it and lay back down. Until I noticed the light from the window gets partly blocked out. I look behind me and with my head still on the pillow. I see the unmistakable outline of Paulette's shadow facing my window. She was there for a few minutes. I didn't want to lean up. I just pretended to sleep. Her shadow moves and I hear the front door close. The patio light turns off after a few minutes. I reposition myself facing the wall to go back to sleep. As I begin to drift off, the door to our room opens slowly and I quickly turn my head around. It wasn't my mom. It's Paulette wearing a nightgown. I turn back facing the wall and close my eyes. She quietly makes her way to my bunk. I feel her fingers in a claw formation start to comb the back of my hair, running her nails on the back of my scalp. I kept my eyes closed tightly, nearly holding my breath, trying to give no signs I'm awake. I smell some essential oils like lavender, and she starts rubbing oil in the back of my neck and pinching the back of my neck muscle, sometimes holding it and releasing. I begin to kind of just accept whatever's happening, because it didn't feel all that bad after a while. I actually ended up falling asleep to it after my initial confusion. I wake up in the morning. My mom is off at work, and Paulette is waiting at the table with cereal for me and my brother. She put chocolate chips in my bowl and not my brother's. My brother and I make small talk with her. She was very giggly, seemed to be trying to make us comfortable with the new situation. My brother heads back to his room to set up his GameCube after his cereal. I was a slower eater than my older brother, so I was always the last at the table. As I slowly ate, she was sitting there watching my every move. Once I finished, I said thank you and grabbed my bowl to bring it to the sink. She places her hand on mine and says, I gave you a neck massage so you wouldn't pee your bed. I know lots of young ones pee beds when they sleep in unfamiliar surroundings. I look up at her and said, I've never peed my bed before, but thank you. She continued to massage the back of my neck for the next few nights. I ended up telling her I'm comfortable here now, you don't need to do this anymore. She reacted to that with a sigh, but acknowledged it. I started elementary school the following week, which meant getting earlier nights sleep around 8pm. Her and my mom would stay up much later than me and my brother and drink wine. I always waited for them to go to bed before I used the washroom at night or to go pee, because my mom would kind of scold me for being up late on weeknights. Once things got quiet around 11 in the house, I'd sneak out and tippy-toe to go use the washroom. This was my ritual for the next few weeks, until Paulette started doing the exact same thing at the same time, every time. Every night when I needed the washroom, it just so happened Paulette needed it too, and she would blaze down the hallway across from my room where I'd open the door. I'd just go back in my room and wait for her. It started happening so frequently I would just go outside to pee from the back mudroom door. It started to piss me off, no pun intended. I'd open my door as quietly as I could and then sprint to the washroom. This seemed effective for a while. One night I'd get up slightly later than usual around 12. I was a little more careless with noise because I was half asleep slash groggy. I open the door and Paulette's door just slams open instantly. 
She barges out in the dimly moonlit hallway completely naked and just starts quickly walking down the hallway. I was already so far down the hallway I couldn't turn back to my room. I jump behind my mom's jade plant and squish my knees to my chest and tuck my head down. She whizzes straight by me so fast I felt wind push my hair. She stays in the washroom for almost an hour with the door open to crack, lights off in silence. I stayed there beside the washroom, tucked in the corner behind the plant pot, not making a sound. I hear the washroom door open completely and she starts pacing up and down the hallway. I kept small and insignificant behind the plant until she goes back in her room. I brushed this off as a complete accident, it was just unfortunate timing, but no, every night going forward she would literally sprint down the hallway naked. If I'd make a single noise, creak the floorboard, open my door, etc. About two months into this, me and my brother were sword fighting with tree branches outside. He ends up clipping my forehead, causing it to bleed pretty bad. Paulette sees this happen. She walks up to my brother, what I thought would be to scold him, but no. She stomp kicks him in the head with her boot, causing him to fall on his back. He gets up off the ground crying and runs into the house. She grabs me and starts cradling me, rocking back and forward. She's shaking so much that she was vibrating, repeatedly asking, are you hurt, in a shaky voice. Anyway, my mom finds out through my brother what happened and decides she had to leave. Her final day, she made a point to see me one-on-one in the driveway before entering her car. She knelt down and said, I hope I can see you in a different life. You remind me so much of my husband. Goodbye, my name, and starts bawling her eyes out, hugging me. I asked my mom who her husband was. I guess he was a Marine that died in Afghanistan a few months prior to her moving in with us. Mom said she would frequently say how much I reminded her of him on a daily basis. My mom hasn't spoken to her since. I've never told my mom about the massages or anything to this day. She was already exiled, and I felt it would just cause more drama. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. 
On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts. You're listening to Disturbed. Now, back to the horror. Next up, we're checking in with Reddit user Apokalex, featuring voice work by Stephen Brink. And there's something unsettling at the door. A bit of context first. My cat likes to go outside every day, in the morning. He follows us to the door, takes the elevator down with us, and then goes about his day outside until we bring him back home again in the evening. Now, my cat isn't the most punctual guy, so it's pretty common for him to stay much later in the neighborhood, sometimes well into the night or for several days, or he gets bored and doesn't play for more than two hours and wants to get back inside. The problem is that we're not home, so he just has to wait. My family and I live in an apartment on the first floor, so my cat's solution is to sit under one of our balconies and meow at the top of his lungs to get our attention. When we're home, it works perfectly fine, but when we're not, it's a lot less effective. So our solution was to gently ask our neighbors that have the key to our apartment to bring him up so he doesn't have to wait outside all day. Those that don't have the key sometimes let him inside the building so he's not literally outside. Our apartment is a bit special because it's bigger than the others, so to get inside, there are two ways when you get in the main hall. One, take the stairs to the left and open the door that has two locks. Two, use the elevator with the special key that goes directly inside our apartment, and the door only has one lock. The cat is used to the second option, and me too because we're both so lazy, but when the neighbors that don't have the key let him inside the building, he goes up the stairs and waits. Since I usually use the elevator from the parking two floors below, that means I don't see him waiting in the hall and he meows outside the door to get me to open up for him, or my dad or my mom. All around, we have our habits with my parents and neighbors, and it works fairly well. Now, you know how everything goes with my little guy. Here's what happened a while ago. My parents like the outdoors very much, so I'm usually left alone on the weekends. Generally, it means taking care of the chores and inviting my friends over so we can have the apartment to ourselves, which is pretty nice. This time I was alone. It was late, 11pm-ish, uh, and I was just chilling in the living room before hearing meowing over the sound of the TV. Someone let my cat in the building and he's waiting outside the door. So I took my keys and started opening the first lock. I don't know about other pet owners, but I know my cat's meows by heart. It's kind of a rising meow that's very high-pitched and very cute. And that also has a specific rhythm because I've been hearing it nearly every day for five years. So I stopped. The noise isn't what it usually is. It's too deep and just off. This isn't my cat outside my door. And he's the only cat around that knows he has to wait by the door and screamed to be let inside. By that point, I had stopped halfway through opening the door and waited to hear him again and noticed scratching. My cat never scratches the door, 
At that point, I'm super weirded out by the situation, but the meowing is getting super loud, and I didn't want the neighbors to be woken up, so I continued with my key, but suddenly I heard another noise that freaked me out. A cough. For the record, I'm not a very cautious person, and in my whole 21 years of living in this apartment, I must have looked in the peephole a total of maybe five times, but a small part of my brain told me to do it, and thank God I did. So, I let go of my keys and put my eyes against the door and saw it. A man standing there, fucking meowing in my front door. To say that I was terrified is really an understatement, but my heart stopped. I just stood there, petrified for what felt like an hour. I don't really know how long it took for me to move again, but eventually my body just took over, I guess. I did what you'd expect, ran for my phone, stood in the corner, and called the police. By the time they came, there was nobody in front of the door. I can't even remember when the meowing stopped, and they just took my testimony before telling me to be cautious and left. To this day, I still don't know what that meowing guy wanted. I'm not sure I want to know anyway. I also don't know how he got inside the building and how he knew that I would open the door if he imitated my cat in front of it. At least I'll be more careful from now on. And my cat eventually came back since then. He's sleeping in my bed as I'm writing this. Looking for even more Disturbed? Join us on Patreon for ad-free listening, shout-outs, and Disturbing Calls bonus episodes at patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. Apple users can subscribe to Disturbed Media Premium directly in the Apple Podcasts app. And finally, we close out the show hearing from Reddit user Life as Magic, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby. And we encounter the trail hugger. I've only told one person this, and after reading the stories on the sub, I didn't think mine was creepy enough. But I think that's just me convincing myself it's NBD to minimize the memory of it and not think about what could have happened to me. During the height of COVID, I, 20s female, decided to get some fresh air after work and go for a walk at a nearby trail that parallels a side road and a highway. The parking lot for this section of the trail is very small, with only three parking spots in the lot. When I pulled in, there was a black Suburban already there in the middle spot, so I parked to the right of it and stayed in my car texting, browsing Reddit, essentially procrastinating my walk. After a few minutes, a man in his mid-thirties gets out of the black Suburban and opens the hood of his car, and makes multiple trips back and forth from the hood to his trunk, seemingly looking for something. Each time he passes between our cars, and I can feel him looking inside at me as he passes my window. I become uneasy with the man, so resolved to not get out until he's gone. About 15 minutes pass of him continuing to look in the hood of his car, walking to his trunk, and passing between our cars while trying to catch my attention. I avoid eye contact throughout. Now, I was going through something in my life at the time that in this moment put me in the mindset of, I'm not going to let my discomfort with this man get in the way of me living my life. 
while simultaneously convincing myself that I'm probably overthinking, overanalyzing, and assuming the worst when this guy is probably just a normal guy. After my internal debate is over, I resolve to get out of my car and go for my walk. Immediately after I get out, I ask him if he's having trouble with his car. He says no. My logic in talking to him is to feel him out to decide whether it's safe to embark on a solo walk with this guy who would see exactly where I went. Mistake number one. His car had some sort of government tags, which made me more at ease, and I asked about the tags, to which he gave a long-winded explanation I don't remember. He then said, Can I have a hug? And I know this was so stupid of me, but I was so isolated feeling during COVID that I figured he felt the same, and that we somehow recognized that. I was so desperate for human contact, and I said, Sure. Very... Very stupid of me, I know. Mistake number two. It's October, so we're both wearing coats. Mine was long and went down to my calves, but was unzipped. When we hugged, his hands slash arms went inside my jacket around my waist instead of hugging me outside my coat. Once his hands were in, he quickly proceeded to feel my body down from my waist and to my butt. I immediately pulled away and said, That was weird. I'm going on my walk now. I was panicked but didn't want to do anything that would make him act with urgency and escalate the situation. He was upset when I pulled away from our SA hug and asked if I wanted to hang out later. Ew. And he suggested we add each other on Snapchat. Again, I didn't want to upset him so I let him request to add me. Mistake number three. After that, I immediately said, Okay, I'm going for my walk now. Bye. I should have gotten in my car and noped out of there. Mistake number four. I speedwalked out of view and instantly wished I had gotten in my car, as I now had no idea where this guy could be. My skin starts to crawl, and I felt very much in danger out there in the woods. I sprinted through some dense bushes and crouched down so I was out of view. My heart was racing. About 30 seconds later, he came running along the trail, frantically trying to catch up to me. I stayed off the trail and ran through the woods to some thick bushes by the parking lot and stayed there a while to make sure the coast was clear back to my car. Not long after, the man returns to his car, gets in, and turns on the engine and drives down the side road that parallels the trail. He slowly drives back and forth on the side road, turning around and starting over probably three times, seemingly looking for me in the points I'd have been along the trail if I'd have been steadily walking since the time I'd started my walk. After about five minutes of my heart beating out of my chest, as I watch this creep search for me, he gives up and turns onto the highway and speeds off in the opposite direction from where he said he lived. The second he was out of sight, I sprinted to my car as fast as I could and couldn't believe what had just happened. I drove home in a silent state of shock and numbness, and I haven't let myself think about it too much ever since. Freaking terrifying. I can let myself acknowledge that now. I hope someone can learn from the mistakes I made during this encounter. Stay safe out there, everyone.
Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Don't forget you can send in your own true terrifying tale. Head over to disturbedpodcast.com slash submit. If you'd like to support the show and gain access to bonus episodes, ad-free content, and early releases, visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. And a big time thanks to all of our newest supporters, Jules, Monica Addy, PP Poo Poo Man, Rye, Kara Arantz, Mary Simpson, Andre, Sarah McCormack, Guadalupe Hernandez, KV Cosmos K, Sadie Connor, Sierra Parton, Esme, and Jace the Ace. Thanks to all of you for your support. Music by Carl Casey at WhiteBatAudio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week Thursday with a brand new episode. And don't forget to stay safe out there, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>